All right, here we are. So, welcome on this beautiful day. I'm always so impressed when it's so beautiful out and people still choose to be indoors for an hour. But, so we'll make it exciting, something you've never seen before. If it gets dull, I got a can of gasoline under here, I'll light myself on fire for you. Why not go out in a f- flash? All right, so what I know is I'm going to invite you to drop into some silence with me right now. And just think about something that activates joy within you. I mean, joy is such a rare commodity on this planet. True, pure joy, just for the excitement of being alive. That's our opportunity anytime. So what brings you joy? Maybe watching these two young girls up here singing a song. And so as I chime the bells and we let joy expand our hearts, let's just bask in the solitude of the quiet. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. So I invite you to partner with me in this knowing right now, and I'll offer these words from the depths of my being. I know that this infinite divine presence that that I am immersed in and is immersed in me as guiding and directing my words in this moment. And so what I know in the oneness of life, in the articulation, in the, in the embodiment, in the experience of God's life being my life, and knowing this on your behalf as well, but speaking in the first person, in recognition and declaration of the oneness, I know that I am a contribution. I stand in this frequency and vibration and love and opportunity to share and to be a a contribution in this moment and each moment hereafter. So I know that this infinite divine presence finds ways to inform, instruct, resource, and guide this declaration. I am here as a contribution, not to compete, not to acquire, but to use that what is is before me with the, the grace, the dexterity, the wisdom, the caretaking and the love that benefits all. Knowing this and knowing as we give thanks, circulating gratitude, I'm grateful for a life that is vibrant and healthy, a heart that beats and eyes that see, hands that can manipulate and craft. I'm grateful for the presence of God all around me as I look into the face of God. I'm grateful to look out upon the world and despite what's going on with our good opinions and the politics and, the, and all of the various varying opinions upon the planet to know at the end of it all, that it is God in form, either at a high vibration or not. But I never doubt the presence of God. 
For this, standing in this faith with you, being blessed this day by beautiful music and the commitment and devotion of so many that, that inspire and bless us all, I give thanks for our volunteers, for those that contribute to our community, those that contribute in the world, and those that inspire us and continue to show us the way, I give thanks. For this, I give thanks and invite you to say with me, and so it is. All righty. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So we are focusing today on generosity and volunteerism. And along those lines, which I think is really a, a, a wonderful opportunity, is this idea of contribution. And today we're going to, at the end of our service today, we're going to do a, a short ritual with people that have been a contribution, a meaningful contribution within our community. That's quite lovely. And what I'm reminding you of today, which I remind you of almost every time you come here, is things you already know. I mean, there's things that I'm going to share with you, but they know, but I, just like you, I need, once in a while, I need my awareness and my attention focused. So thank you for bringing your, yourself to this today and that attention and awareness as well. So today we're talking on this idea of volunteering and what it, and me, and what it asks of us. And so three areas of that are where it, it asks of us personally, ask of us in terms of relationship, and also in the, in the wider perspective of the world. And so I have three stories that I want to share with you today that I think reflect that. So personally, when we're volunteering or we're contributing, and we can do that anywhere at any time, but when specifically, let's say we are, we're signing up to volunteer in some capacity, the quality of the outcome as a result of our, our activity is directly connected to the state of our being or our consciousness that our activity springs from. But it makes sense, doesn't it? If we show up in a, an attitude of generosity and, and joy and opportunity, it colors the whole experience, not just for ourselves, but for the people that are volunteering with us or in service with us. And I don't think that that simply stops there. That lingers. That's a frequency or a vibration. So when we approach anything in our lives as an obligation, as a job, or something that I have to do, or a responsibility, what it does is it shuts us down a little bit. It, be, it creates more tension. One more thing I gotta get done. You know, when we, when, I know what that's like. Here's my task, a punch list, and I gotta get these things done. It, 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 there's an energy around that that becomes more about the tasking than the being in the tasking. It's, it's kind of the idea that water cannot be absorbed in soil that is, is too dry and too hard. I mean, despite what we do to it, unless it, we soak it for quite some time. So with that idea then around this personally, how this works, is the consciousness we offer our gift from determines the ongoing nature of our efforts and the results that follow. So when we plant a seed of love, for example, from a consciousness of love, we plant the seed of love, of unconditional love from the consciousness of love, we have a better chance that what we've planted will flourish and have long-standing impact and a ripple effect. Make sense? Yeah, it's pretty simple. I mean, that's how a tree becomes a forest. A tree finds a, a one tree that finds the right growing conditions will proliferate over time and create an entire forest. Just how the way it works. So I want to share a story with you that illustrates this idea that who we choose to be and take action from a feeling tone of what we've chosen makes all the difference is the experience of our action and the crop that we harvest. So this is one that you would probably know and recognize, and it's written in three of the Gospels. 
A sower went forth to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed that some seeds fell by the wayside to be trodden underfoot and devoured by the birds of heaven. Other seeds fell upon the rocky places where there were little earth and immediately it sprang up because there was no depth to the soil. But as soon as the sun shone, it withered because it had no root whereby to secure moisture. Other seeds fell among the thorns and as the thorns grew up, it was choked so that it yielded no grain. So three growing conditions that are not conducive to growing. One, that the the birds of prey could take it away. The second one, that the ground is too hard and rocky and cannot sprout roots. And the other, that it grew along with the thorns and the thorns choke it off in the competition for nutrients. But still, other seeds fell upon good ground and growing yielded some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. And when he said to the multitude, let he who has ears to hear, let him hear. This was the first parable that Jesus ever shared. This is when he started to tell stories to teach. And it sort of confused his apostles as it articulates in the Gospels. What's with this story? And what he was doing was he realized that everybody was at a different subjective nature of consciousness. And to put it in story form, people would absorb the story at their level of their own consciousness. And it also allowed him a bit more freedom because he was challenging, he was a spiritual revolutionary, he was challenging the status quo, and there were people that were listening to gather evidence to punish him and to destroy him. And so he took his ministry to parable. So it's quite fascinating, but it's all about growing conditions. He's, he's illustrating the idea that our, our souls have soil. And when our soul is open and receptive and and our devotion, our activity is devoted to tending and nurturing and blessing those intentions that we plant, those seeds of possibility that we plant, that's what we care about. It'll lead to a harvest that can multiply and bless the entire planet. You and I are the soil and the gardener of our own field of possibility but it requires a certain type of contribution to reap a bountiful harvest so in in the personal what are we being what are we taking what are we offering the world because that's where it all starts and we know by the way that life works and the energetics work that as we live more and more from that what do we bring into our life Anybody, more and more of that. That which we are, that which we dwell upon, we become, in the words of Dr. Ernest Holmes. So individually, the soil and the gardener. The second idea is about relationship and how the agreement we strike affects our interactions with others. So the agreement in that first example, personally, the agreement we strike has everything to do with our relationship with others and how we develop that relationship. How contribution, generosity, openness, and willingness can liberate us in relationship with ourselves and with one another. Once again, contribution, generosity, openness, and willingness can liberate us. How we can experience the momentum generated in collaboration and contribution that transforms human consciousness. It always has, it's the only thing that ever has. We are hardwired for relationship with one another. 
Most of the world, as we look out at it and we read the paper and we see what's happening politically, there's very much invested in this idea of competition and motivated by a fear of failure. That, that there's something that we're, we want to avoid here and of course we don't want to be failures. So let's work hard. Which also once again creates more tension. And it's the cultural conditioning. But those that understand their personal relationships and our relationships with the infinite, the divinity, that wellspring of life, and bring that inner divinity into the divine flow of life with others, it's another deal, deal changer. That we intimately or casually interact with one another all the time. So we, the beingness that we are, it affects everyone. Whether we go to Canadian Tire or we go to Save On Food or wherever we're going, our beingness touches energetically everyone. We can't avoid that. So I want to share with you a story I think that illustrates how a shift in awareness can move us from a life of survival to a life, once again, of contribution. So number one, the individual contribution is how we are, how we are nurturing ourselves, the interior of our lives and trusting, because it requires faith. And number, number two, this is a, a story that comes from the book The Art of Possibility by Rosamund Stone Zander and Benjamin Zander. And Rosamund is a therapist, Benjamin is a um, maestro with a symphony orchestra educator. Beautiful man, and it's their story. It's a wonderful book. And it's called, the story is called Two Generations of Generosity. And so Rosamond does therapy. She's a counselor therapist with, with individuals. So part of the book is her writing. Part of it is Benjamin's writing. But she tells a story of a couple that she was counseling with, and they were educators. So they both had jobs within academia, and they both were trying to establish their way in life. And every year, a pattern had developed for them where they would get to the end of the year, and it was tax time, and they always had to go to her mother to borrow money to pay taxes. And she was sharing with, Rose, uh, with Roz how much she disliked that, that this was very, very uncomfortable for her. And what was she, could she do? Because every year it was like, and so Roz said, well, what do you need this year to, to get by? And she said, well, I need $2,000 to just get back to even again. And so she sat there. She said to her, Roz said to the, the client, whose name was Marianne, she said, do you suppose your mother likes to see you whining and groveling for money? Do you think it would be satisfying to her to hand you $2,000 and still leave you miserable and battling to pay your bills? What's the satisfaction in that? Great question. So she said to her, what is the sum of money that would make a real difference that would give you and your family ease in your lives and in planning for the future? Whole nother idea. Wow. Because we can become so myopic of what we need, got to have, to bring some, the momentary relief. I mean, that's the idea of addiction. What, what, can I, what can I bring into my life right now that'll bring me temporary relief? Isn't it amazing how people live their lives like that? Where, okay, I, I get a little bit of relief today. Tomorrow, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll build the tension again and I'll see if I can find more relief. That's what addicts do. That's what alcoholics do. Drug addicts do. But I think many people, because we become addicted to mindsets. So here's an addiction to a mindset that, okay, end of the year, I gotta go get the, the help I can from my mother to bring some relief to the environment. And so what Roz says, let's think a little bigger about this. So she said, I asked Marianne to consider not only the contribution her mother would be making to the well-being of the family by giving her that amount of money. Sorry, let me back up. She said, I watched her face struggle to address this question. What What would ease your family's life in planning for the future? 
And she replied about 20 times the amount that I was going to ask for. So about $40,000. Which, as Marianne said, was very uncomfortable because she was ready to ask for the 2000 but not for forty. She said, I asked Marianne to consider not only the contribution her mother would be making to the well-being of the family by giving her that amount of money, but more important, the contribution Marianne herself might be in her mother's life. Isn't that interesting? We always think of contribution as giving. But I love this story because sometimes contribution is, is inviting someone else to share in a possibility of our lives. So I'm very clear about this many times when I, when I say to you, we, you know, we're, we need to put a new roof on or whatever it is, but when you're on fire with a vision, your asking is completely different. And so here, here's Roz inviting Marianne to step into a new vision of her life. She said, what if Marianne, she, what, would, what, what might be happening in your mother's life and as a daughter whose family was no longer at the brink of financial disaster. What would that do for your relationship with her and your relationship with life? It wasn't easy for her to change her viewpoint, to think of herself as a contributing member of her extended family instead of a failure. Because here's her mother, and to back some of this up, her mother was very well off. This was no problem for her mother. This was not going to be a, 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 a hindrance or impose upon her mother. Her mother had plenty of money. She'd never thought about even asking for more than she needed in the moment so that her life and her family could be on a firm footing in a new experience. But all of a sudden, with Roz's assistance, it's like this is actually a gift to your mother. This is actually taking something your mother has and utilizing it and putting it somewhere that can change the lives of a number of people. So she took the risk. Marianne did. She went to her mother that weekend determined to show, her, to show her enthusiasm over the life she envisioned for herself and her family and alive to a possibility for all the generations in offering her mother the chance to help realize it. How did it go? I asked when I saw Marianne next, but I knew the answer from the way she carried herself. She'd had the opportunity, she'd had the best visit of her adult life. Her mother had leapt at the opportunity to do something demonstrably positive for her daughter. But that's only half the story, Marianne said. Laughing, when I got home, there were messages on my answering machine from both of my sisters wanting to know what had gotten into our mother because her mother was always considered very, very frugal. What her mother had done is given each one of the sisters an equal sum of money. But isn't it fascinating how we think contribution sometimes it's we've got to ask. Or we've got, to, we've got to give. And sometimes it's understanding what's available. And what, what might serve the greatest good. Because what's that money for? At the end of the day. If we live our lives like the world wants us to live it, live it which is we've got to get as much stuff as we need. We've got to get everything we possibly can. Cars and houses and vacations and all of the things that, you know, and all those things are great. But if that becomes the focus of our lives, we're missing the whole point. Because if that's the focus of our life, when we get to the end of it, our life, we could, we could very clearly call our lives a failure and a disaster. Because none of that we're taking with us. None of it do we take with us. What do we take with us? We take our consciousness. We take this wisdom and clarity. We are eternal beings on this eternal journey of possibility and opportunity and the world has fallen asleep as the ancient teachings say, the Buddhist and the, the Maya and the Toltec, we fall asleep in the dream of life. 
we forget who we are and whose we are, which is the infinite expression of the one. Here to create, here to bring mastery to our lives, here to face the challenges of our lives, to build resilience, to take us to the next evolution and the next opportunity. And so that can be part of it too. It doesn't mean we don't drive great cars and go on great holidays, but to not be so attached to it, to realize there's more. It's this and more. So I love that. Hey, mom, I can use your help. I have a vision for my family and my life. I don't want to live like this anymore, and I don't want to have to keep coming to you every year and asking for money. Let's heal this. You have something that can assist us in this, and I will be a good steward with what you provide. And all of a sudden, we can talk about other things when we get together. So naming ourselves, one of the cornerstones of this book is to name ourselves a contribution. When we name ourselves a contribution, it takes us out of competition. It's not just about the transformation of a single individual. Transformation overrides the division of identity and possession, which is what I was just talking about. It overrides it. It's a higher practice. Naming oneself a contribution produces a shift away from self-concerns and engages us in a relationship with others that is an arena for making a difference. We are here to make a difference. We are here to express spirit's vibrancy on this planet, which is, comes through good works. And you get to decide what the good works are. Turns out the works you did weren't good. You get to go back and go, hmm, I get to try it again. Because the infinite just says yes. The infinite never doesn't judge us. It always says yes. It always complies. Rewards in the, in the contribution area are of a deep and enduring kind. Lasting. Lasting. It's one of the things that keeps me in the game here. Because there's something nudging me all the time. There's more to know, more to express, more to create. And, and, and I know that the, the synchronicities of my life provided me with an opportunity that if it hadn't, all those things hadn't happened, I wouldn't be here. I'd be doing something else. And that would be okay too. And the info would say, good, you got to do something else. We are connected. Joseph Campbell said this, and I love, I love and appreciate Joseph Campbell's work. I have great appreciation. Love's a little has many connotations, but I appreciate very much his wisdom. He said, when we are connected to something larger, at those moments you realize that you and the other are in fact one. Survival is the second law of life, and the first is that we are all one. These moments are revealed in moments of great gratitude, true inspiration, heartfelt joy, or heart-stopping awe. There's some neat qualities to live from, huh? Great gratitude, true inspiration, heartfelt joy, heart-stopping awe. So the third story I want to share with you today is, is very personal, it's very local, but it's about the world, how we impact the world. So 12 years ago, a young man moved to Edmonton, very talented young man, he was a singer-songwriter, and he found his way into the center here very soon after he arrived. Um, he's a remarkable talent, vocally, lyrically, poet, artist. He was so good, every time he would sing, when he was first here, I'd say, this guy's amazing. And he had been a, uh, one of the competitors on uh, Canadian Idol. I tried out for it one time, but all I could sing was in this very room, so I didn't make it past the first cut. <laughs> no, I didn't, but people have asked me that before. You're going to have to learn another song if you're going on. Thanks so much. But he was so good and talented, every time I'd hear him sing, I'd think, wow, this guy's as good as anybody. But we've all had those experiences, haven't we, with artists? In fact, he was so good that I, I was invited to go down to California, and I had uh, three or four different uh, venues I was going to speak at. 
And I said, you got to go with me, man. I want people to know about you. And I found a way to, I think I used some of, Laura and I used some of our air miles to get him there. And I said, look, I don't have any money for you to, for, you to, for lodging and food and all that. And he's like, nah, no problem. So he would go off and do his thing. He was booking house concerts. I mean, he probably went down there and made, you know, $2,500. I'm worried about him, right? He's booking house concerts. He's connecting with people. He's going all over. And every time we needed him, I was doing a talk in Orange County one morning with this, um, oh, I can't remember the group, but a business group. And, I was, and they said, we don't want any science of mind ministers coming in here. And I said, well, I won't do a science of mind minister talk. So there you go. So we agreed, and I went down, and I took, I took him with me, and he sang that morning to these people. He showed up out of the blue. And Orange County is a long way from L.A., too. I mean, it's like from driving, it's not that far on the map, but it's like driving from here to the Montana border some mornings. So anyway, he got himself everywhere we needed. He never complained once. He never was a problem. He couldn't have been less, less responsibility. He was just so self-contained. He comes back to Edmonton, and I watch him. He's doing house concerts. He's singing here. He's doing weddings. He's doing memorials. He's busking. Every time I see him down at the, the farmer's market, in the side, I'd, I'd be on Jasper, and I could hear him all the way down at the other end. I go, hey, he's singing today. And I walk down, throw 20 bucks in his, his uh, guitar case. I've got all those CDs. I've got plenty of the CDs. So he, I brought him to the Circle of Love. We did the Circle of Love. It's a wonderful event, which we do with this retreat thing, and he's been there a number of times. But his devotion, his commitment, his focus on his purpose. So I've watched him develop. I've watched him get married. I've watched him parent children. I've watched his artistry grow. I've watched him sing the same songs over and over again. He gets up and sings the same songs. See, I could do the same talk every week if I could just get this down. I just have to memorize one, and then I could... Hey, you've done that talk before. If I did that, I'd hear about it. He can sing the same song every time he gets up, and there's no problem. But what it does is it lights something up in him, which lights something up in us, because we're all connected. And so, and if, I'm talking about Martin Kerr. The picture up there, there he is. Oh, it's probably been up there for a while. What do I know? But Martin, so Martin, we watched him, and now he wants to, he's, he's put together with Anthony, his partner, a series of concerts here. We did our first one, May Long Weekend, bad timing, we know, but we had 40 people here. They did a concert. We want to uh, bring more people in the door to let them know what we're doing, but also to be of service, so a portion of it is going out to nonprofits within the community. And we're developing it, but it's a wonderful idea, and it's his baby. So the, so the amazing thing about Martin is I've watched his commitment to his artistry. I've watched him commit his commitment to his song. So Wednesday night, I know some of you were there, we went down to the Windspear. There were 1,600 or 1,700 people there. There were, there were some empty chairs, but it was packed. And he did a performance that was extraordinary to hear his songs that were orchestrated with different musicians like I've never heard before. And he brought in local artists from all over. He had two choirs there behind him backing him up, which was wonderful. And then he had uh, Rhea Marsh open for him. And Rhea is an amazing woman that has helped so many young artists within Edmonton, musical artists. Um, Sean Sinego sang with Rhea, backed him up, playing the piano. And Sean's been here. He's a wonderful singer, wonderful performer. So all these little pieces of, of the mosaic that he's built over 12 years and his songs. And he's written new songs, but, you know, he said, this is my new album. And I said, well, I've heard that one before. I've heard that one. So now he's been in, in nominated for Male Artist of the Year in the Edmonton community, which is kind of a breakthrough for him because, because he's from England, he was born in England, he always sort of felt like an outsider, and there was always sort of this sense that he really wasn't a local talent. 
But to be nominated as, as male vocalist of the year in Edmonton is quite a significant event for him. And I know that. Um, on the 25th of... Uh, and that event's going to be happening, and I'm going to encourage people, we'll get some tickets, we can go down, that's going to be at the Windspear, that event where, where he's been nominated. But he's also opening for Sarah McLaughlin when she comes and sings at Rogers Place this summer. And he's right now, he's down in Kerrville, Texas, at a music festival. One of his songs has been nominated for Song of the Year at the Kerrville Music Festival. And as he joked at the, the concert, they named it after him. He didn't realize it, but they named Kerrville after Martin Kirk. But the reason that I want to use this as he touches the world is here's a guy that had a vision about his life. Here's a guy that just said, I'm a songwriter. I'm a singer. I got a song in me. I got to sing. I've got a lot of songs in me. And I know that this makes a difference because I just know what it resonates in me. Because it's so easy to look at the example that Jesus talked about over 2,000 years ago or the story that came out of that, that narrative. You know, he didn't let his dream get snatched up by some bird that flew through. He didn't let his dream fall on hard-packed ground where it couldn't grow roots. You know, he didn't let people around him grow up the thorns of, of their good opinions and choke out what was possible for him. He nurtured within himself through repetition, through devotion, through commitment, and kept singing the same songs over and over and over again. And every time he sings them, I'm touched. I'm changed, I'm transformed. And so what we've, what we've done as a community, and, and I think we do this for everyone, I hope we do, is we, we see the best in them. We say, you have a gift, you have a talent, you have an opportunity, and we need that gift. It needs to be shared. If you don't share it, if Martin, if you don't share your songs, they're never gonna be shared, and they go on the scrap heap, and no one ever gets to enjoy them. And, and, at the, and, and, and there's no large or small in the, in the mind of the one that, that knows all, as they say. But it's just simply for us to be true to that, that song, that message, that gift that we want to share with the world. The consciousness upon it. And I've watched this guy develop and grow. He got, I watched him get married. He's had three beautiful children now. His daughter was here at the concert we did here with uh, Benjamin Williams. She, and she was walking around, little Iona, beautiful little girl. He had to leave and take her home, so he was going to do some songs at the end. We had to wait for Martin to get back. He had to go put his daughter to bed. But see, Martin's a part of us, and we're a part of him. We're all part of one another. But when, when we're out in the world competing and we're afraid of failing... We forget we're all part of one, one another. Martin, wouldn't have got, Martin would have gotten there with his devotion and commitment without this community, without me, without a lot of us. But for us to be part of that and nurture it, and he could have come in here with agendas at times. He's always come in just to give his gift to the best of his ability, share his love through his music. It's a beautiful thing to watch and be around. It's just a beautiful thing. And, and so as I was sitting there in the audience, I thought, this is a guy whose songs I've heard hundreds of times because I have all of his CDs. I bought the little stick man that was down there they were selling. It, it was 50 bucks. You get 62 Martin Kerr songs. Now I know what Laura and I will be listening to for the next six years in our vehicle. But it's songs we've never heard before. But, but, but to watch him um, share his gift like that and to be part of that, there's a joy in a... In a, in a and a 
participation of, man, you're just so proud. I mean, I, I felt like, you know, I have children that I'm proud of. I just felt the same way. I'm like, man, this guy's one of ours. I mean, he's, and, and not in a possessive way, but I'm so grateful to have been part of his good journey. And take him down, I take him down, I told these other ministers in, in California, I said, you gotta bring this guy down, man. He's a force of nature. And he is. And he kept with it. Because we can quit anytime. And it's so easy to find people to say, well, so, oh, I understand why you quit. I understand why you gave. Because it's hard. See, we think all this stuff's going to be easy. I shouldn't say you guys, but I used to think it was all going to be easy. Some of it's not easy. But it's so worth it. We're here. Our souls are here to have these experiences, to face the challenges, to face the heartbreak, the disappointment, the betrayals, and the celebrations. Because what it does is it builds a resiliency where you can take a stand in the world and say, bring it on, bring it on. And then when we have the discernment as we go along to realize, nah, that's not mine. That's my situation, but not my responsibility. What I'm learning at this stage in my life was what's my situation, what's my responsibility? Because as soon as I step into responsibility, oh, this is my responsibility, then I join you energetically, and then I'm done. I'm hooped. To have the discernment, the spiritual discernment, goes, oh, I get it, I get it. I got a sister that's still mad at me for breaking her skis when we were in grade seven. When we had one pair of snow skis and I took them from her and I snapped them in half one day. And every once in a while she says to me, you know, you still owe me a set of skis. Yeah, I'll get them. You know, that's like 50 years ago. Okay. I've made peace with it. I don't know what her problem is. We are connected to something larger and at such moments you realize that you and the other are in fact one. Survival is the second law of life. The first is that we're all one. So now Martin Kerr, is, his doors are opening for him. You know, I'm a told, I told Laura after the concert at the Windsor, I said, we're probably going to lose this guy. But you never lose him. You know, you never lose him. I mean, this is what we're about here. It's not about holding him in place. It's about celebrating and launching people. Because the world needs people like Martin Kerr. People need poets that touch people and open us up and slow us down. Because music is a great, great spiritual practice. Thank God for music. Thank God for these little girls, wherever they went, they're in the back getting ready. So Martin didn't let the bird snatch away his dream. He didn't let him get choked. He didn't let him get um, the, the not sprout roots. He, he con- continued to develop that fertile ground. And he's developed the consciousness now to share those same songs with other people in other places. So it's important for us to name our contributions. It's not just about transforming a single individual. There's a relationship that gets transformed. What I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you right now to come on forward. If you've volunteered here in any way, shape, or form, ever, 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 we have these little pots up here today. I'm going to invite you to come on up. We had almost the entire audience standing up here today. It says... Volunteers plant the seeds of love and there's a little thing of seeds in here and there's a little pot for you to take home as our gratitude. So would you please just come on up if you've been in service in any way, shape, or form over any time and grab a pot and stay up here because we're gonna, we got a little ritual. I have a blessing and then I have a song that we're gonna sing to you. All right, as you come on up. All righty, here we go. This is, a, this is a special blessing. Do you all have them? Until everybody gets a pot. Make room for the other pot holders. 
And I also want to make it clear on the, the tape that we're taping that this is, this is pots to plant seeds in. This is not the kind you smoke. So people know that we're not up here in Edmonton smoking pot on Sundays. And if you're doing that in the afternoon, I don't want to hear about it. So there you go. So we offer this blessing today in love and support of what we know you to be. You are a contribution, each and every one of you. And we extend our gratitude on behalf of everyone in this community. Thank you so much. Your contribution is fresh and new today as you call it to mind and bless it energetically. And that's how we transform it. Even now, if there was less love upon it when you did it because you felt obligated, doesn't matter because it's still alive in that quantum field and you can bring love to it now. That's the way this works. We heal it now. It, feels, it heals past and present. We bless your hands that, that helped you craft your contribution. We bless your heart that inspired your contribution filled with love. We bless your beautiful mind that gave thought to what your contribution could be. We bless your eyes that helped give focus to your contribution. And we bless your soul and the soil of your soul that gives the new seed of possibility a place to be nurtured and brought into form. Isn't that beautiful? That's what the infinite does. It's just like, man, as above, so below. Here we are, all godlings. We know that your contributions going forward come from a generous and porous place within you that contributes to the greater yet to be for you, your loved ones, your community, and the entire world. You do amazing things. So I want to play a song for you. Please stay there while we play it, and I'll sing parts of it to you that I know. Bill? Amazing, amazing, you will do amazing things, amazing, amazing, you will do each new day brings and with every step you take